like it's not just about the decision that you make. It's also about enjoying the decision-making process because making decisions together is a pretty big part of relationship. Welcome to the Abundant Couples Podcast. We are your hosts, Cassidy and Matt. And we're here to help you, awesome growth-minded human, create the most flourishing relationship that you know is possible. In this podcast, we'll dive deep into topics of relationship, intimacy, and lifestyle freedom. We believe that a great relationship is fuel for everything else in your life. So let's jump in and get fueled up. Just a quick note before we jump into today's episode, Matt and I recorded this episode while we were in different places and it was a first for us recording over Zoom. In the process, we lost Matt's quality audio file, so his audio is a little less than perfect, but I hope you enjoy the conversation nonetheless. Welcome back. Today, we're going to be talking about getting better at making decisions. Because the quality of your life ultimately comes down to the quality of your decisions. All of the decisions you make, whether it's the small day-to-day ones and the larger life-shaping decisions, those are the things that make the trajectory of your life. And once upon a time, we weren't fantastic at making decisions. It would either be a a kind of procrastination or just kind of get stuck in analysis paralysis. There's so many different options, like what's the right one? Like, what should we do? Yeah, I remember having a feeling of like kind of confusion sometimes when I would think about, you know, what I want to do next or just even like trying to make plans or, you know, just this kind of feeling of confusion of being uncertain. And that was my kind of way of falling into not making decisions is getting a little bit more in the confusion. And I think you probably leaned more toward the analysis paralysis. Yep. Or even after making a decision, kind of getting stuck in, oh, is that the right one? Mm. Second guessing, which is, yeah, on the opposite side, just equally as uh, discouraging from wanting to go take charge and make the best decisions possible. So I'd say probably like five or six years ago, I think we decided to get better at making decisions. And so this today, we're going to talk about all the things we've learned and what we use to make are awesome decisions. And now now I'd say we're just amazing at making decisions and just things have just worked out so well by being decisive and knowing what's of value to us, following both the logic and the intuition to to make really great decisions. Yeah. Yeah. I noticed like life feels a lot, it flows a lot more smoothly and easily when our decisions are just more smooth and easy. (laughs) Yeah, no matter what happens out there in life, and especially, you know, the last uh, year, year and a half, a little bit of a chaotic world we're living in. It's just like life's just smooth and easy. It's just things come up, we take care of them, make good decisions, boom, on to the next thing. Yeah, because then when plans change, it's not this big wrench, you know, it's just a few more decisions. (laughs) Yeah. We've noticed that it's easy to swing one of two ways when it comes to making decisions. You can kind of swing on the side of really doing everything based on feeling 
and feeling it out, which is can be a really powerful tool for decision making. And then there's the other side of things being very logical, analytical in your decision making, which can also be a really powerful tool. And we find that when we can have tools in both of those areas for making decisions and combine them, especially, that we become a lot more effective at making decisions. So we're going to talk about some of the more feeling and intuition-based tools that we use and some of the more logical analytical tools that we use to make decisions, and then how you can apply a combination of these or how to apply these tools to different scenarios in order to effectively make decisions. Yeah. Yeah. There's one more approach as well, which is the avoiding decision approach. And we're not going to talk about that because (laughs) it is just way better to uh, go forth and make those decisions. And these, these, one of those two ways or combination of them is, is really the, the way to go. Um, When you avoid making decisions, it's, it's easier in the moment, but ultimately you're just kind of procrastinating life and you just keep kind of pushing it off. And really the cost isn't just the decision, but it's, it's kind of your integrity of being someone that, um, you know, you, you want to be somebody that goes and takes charge and really creates your life. And you do that by making great decisions. And sometimes it calls for more intuition. Sometimes it calls for more reasoning. And yeah, always a nice combination of those two in some form. Yeah, it's a great point, especially when you think about it in the context of your relationship, if you know there's a decision that you've been avoiding either um, yourself or as a couple, like if there's something that comes up frequently and you just kind of have been avoiding making any sort of decision on it, that's going to, that's going to get in the way of your intimacy. That's going to get in the way of just, like you said, creating your future in the most positive way. So Definitely anything that feels like there's been a decision needing to happen, great time to bring that to mind as we go through some of these tools and think about how you can face it and make the decision. Yeah, so we're going to look at it from both of those lenses, from the intuition, from the logic, and we always recommend doing both of those and then finding that, that happy medium in the middle where in some cases it does call for for more intuition other cases um yeah more uh, a logical approach might help you more and just being able to to do both and to see it from both ways and then choose um based on all the information that you have choose what feels best in that situation and one more thing before we jump into some of these tools that i want to bring up is one more reason that being able to effectively make decisions I find is so important is knowing that you have the power to choose everything in your life and that you never feel like you're doing something because you have to or because you should or that there's something that's outside of your control. Never feeling like, you know, you're forced into something or yeah, something you have to do. Every single thing that you do, even the things that you feel like maybe you don't have a choice in you always do have a choice in them and when you can own that and acknowledge that then you have a lot more power to create your life the way that you want to yeah yeah that's huge and even seeing like oh 
if something isn't the way that I'd like it to be, just again, taking that 100% responsibility. This, this is a choice, whether I made it a few years ago, whether I'm making it on a daily basis. Consciously or unconsciously. <laughs> yeah, when you take 100% responsibility for everything in your life, now, now you're really in a position of uh, power, of where you can create your life in yeah, just a really, really powerful way. One decision at a time. Yeah, that was a quote that stuck with us. I think it was like a Jim Rohn one or something like that. That uh, the day that you decide to take 100% responsibility for your life is the day you can really do anything. Oh, yeah. So we'll start on kind of the more intuition and feeling-based side of things, getting into some of these tools. And the first thing here, we talk about this so much because it's so important, and that's clarity. Knowing what you really want uh, for yourself as a partnership and always starting again with how do I want to feel? So when you're thinking about this decision, thinking about, okay, well, in my future, how do I want to feel? And this should be, you know, you're doing this work on a continual basis, right? Always getting clear on how you want to feel what you're creating, what you want your future to look like. And when you have that really clear vision in mind, then making decisions becomes a lot easier because it's obvious whether something is in alignment with that vision or not. So things can become a pretty quick yes or no when you've got that really clear vision. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So going from more of a a feeling base of does this, does this match? the way that I'd like to feel the the vision that I'm creating and what that's going to be like and feel like is, is that a match here? Because in going through, through time, we can kind of forecast where, where we're going to be based on the decision that we're going to make. And if the decision is in alignment with that feeling, then it's more likely to, to get us there. So if we just tune in right now, that can be a really big indicator. And oftentimes it's a very clear yes or no. And if it isn't, just take some more time to to reflect on it and to um, not rush it, but just tune in, quiet the outside world and focus inwards. Yeah. And a really good tool for this process too is knowing in your body what a yes feels like and what a no feels like. So that might sound kind of strange if you're not used to kind of tuning into your body, but the body has a lot of wisdom. And when something is, if you just think about it, like if you really don't like something, if you're in a situation you don't like, you notice that your body kind of tenses up, right? Um, If you're feeling a negative emotion, your body kind of gets tense. Whereas when you're feeling relaxed, when you're feeling at ease, your body feels more open. So you can pay attention to how your body's feeling as you're considering possibilities in this decision and notice what a yes feels like and what a no feels like. And you can actually practice this right now to become familiar with how that feels in your body. So if you just tune into your body, close your eyes, you can think about something that you know you don't like and that you don't want. Just bring it to mind. And then notice how it feels in your body. You might feel like kind of a 
closing, like a tightness in the stomach, maybe a constriction of the throat. You kind of feel this tightening sensation throughout the body. And then think about something that really makes you happy that you know you love, something that just feels like a yes in life for you. And now feel what that feels like in your body. Probably everything loosens a little bit more. You might feel like your heart opens a little bit more. So if this is your first time kind of tuning into that, it's something that might take a little practice to become more aware of. Um, But I find it's a really powerful tool for me just paying attention to what does my body say about this. And we find too is getting in the right space for making decisions and for tuning into your body is really helpful as well. Because if you're in the middle of a, you know, let's say really busy office and things are, you know, there's noises and stuff all around, like it could be tougher to kind of get in that space and tune into your body. So we always like to, you know, get in, get in a good space. Maybe that's just, you know, uh, having a, having a bath or going for a walk or something that just gets you a little bit more in your body and relaxed so that you can kind of quiet the outside world and focus, focus inwards. Yeah. Quieting the outside world is a really key thing because not only what's going on in the outside world, but also the opinions of others, opinions and judgments and all the things that we have coming at us from the many different places. So when, especially when it comes to a bigger decision, I find it's just so important to, you know, be off of any social media, to not be talking it through with too many people, um, getting everybody's input and everybody's feedback, because that can really start to shape how you're making the decision in a way that might not be actually the best for you. And then even recognizing as you're going through the process of making this decision, are you considering what others might think of it? Are you worried about, oh, but if I do that, like, I really want to do this, but if I do, what's my family going to think? What's my, what are my friends going to think? Like all these judgments and fears, like just doing your best to set them aside and just tune in. And that's when that body awareness can be so helpful too, is just being with only you. And you can ask yourself if there was no fear, no judgment, if I wasn't concerned about anybody else, what would I do? It's a really, really great question to be living in. And uh, another another way to really kind of tap into the intuition is just just staying open and being willing to receive an answer. Sometimes you just have a hunch or a thought out of nowhere, or maybe you think about somebody and it's just like, it'll come from beyond your conscious mind and something will show up. And oftentimes it'll be on the screen of your consciousness and to pay attention and listen to that and recognize that it's, it really is there for a reason. It's pretty powerful. I know I used to, Back when I would just make everything logical decision to be like, okay, doesn't matter. I don't know. No, that thought isn't relevant here. Like where where did that come from? But when you realize, okay, that it could be something else, either your subconscious or higher power or whatever um, medium where that's coming through, there's a reason that it shows up. 
And so to pay attention and listen to that can be quite powerful if you uh, allow it to be. Definitely. Yeah. And that's where it's helpful to set the logic aside for a moment, because when you do have a thought come through that feels very strong and like, oh, yeah, this almost immediately after you can notice your logical mind jump in and start making rationalizations about why that wouldn't work or why that's not the right thing to do or questioning things. So just noticing in that moment when you have like a really clear thought come to you, just hanging on to that and setting aside the logic for a moment to just check in with the intuition. Because it could be threatening to the ego. It's not, it's coming from kind of outside of the conscious mind and the ego. So at first it could be like, you know, defense is up. Like that's, that doesn't make sense. That's not what we were thinking about or planning about. But instead, if you can kind of get curious as to why that thought might be coming up or that decision or that person is, you know, on top of mind and just starting to get kind of curious about where does that, uh, where does that lead? Or what if, what if I did kind of act on my hunch or my intuition and kind of playing with that? And oftentimes that can be a little bit scary. You know, kind of, you're kind of going into the unknown. You're, you know, following a, a hunch that logically just might not make sense at all, but you're going to do it anyways. And kind of trusting yourself to, to know that both that could be awesome or it could not be, but we'll, you know, recover from whatever mistakes might happen as a result. But learning to trust and having the courage to do something that uh, is just more hunch intuition based can can lead you in different directions than your logical mind might and often it can be really good places true that so one way that we've done this in kind of a bigger life decision makes me think of when we made the decision to drop out of school when we were in university um, it definitely wasn't more of a logical decision. No, <laughs> I don't think dropping out of school ever is. <laughs> but we knew, so we, after our first year of university, Matt started running his painting business with Student Works. So, and I worked with him closely in that. So that summer, we got a really good taste of what it would be like to be our own boss, to be entrepreneurs, and we really enjoyed it. And when we went back to school for the first semester of the second year, we really didn't enjoy it very much. And yeah, I just kind of had this feeling that something was off. It wasn't it wasn't quite the same as it used to be. And that's where the clarity really started to help because that's when we started asking questions like, well, what do we want our future to look like? How do we want to feel? And when we started asking those kind of questions, Matt realized, well, I don't think I want to be an engineer. I don't want to just be working in an office or something or, you know, be doing the same thing every day. Um, I had no idea what I wanted to do, <laughs> but having some clarity of how we wanted to feel, we knew that we loved the feeling of being our own boss. We loved having the freedom that it came with. We liked the flexibility and the creativity we knew we wanted to travel. So we had some of these pieces of how we want to feel, what we want to do, and getting clear on those things made it a lot more obvious that what we were doing in school wasn't going to lead there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then from there, we were able to kind of take a look at it from the logical approach of, you know, how much we'd be able to save and how much extra time we'd have to be able to uh, 
you know, go reinvest into our business and other kind of learning. And it was by, yeah, following that, that feeling, that, that hunch of, hey, maybe, uh, maybe we don't go back to school just, just this semester. Let's try it out, see, see what happens. And being able to look at it from all approaches, uh, yeah, led us to making that decision, which has led to really an amazing life so far that, uh, yeah, wouldn't have happened unless we didn't tune into that, that feeling. Mm-hmm. And again, we had to kind of forget about the opinions of others when we were making this decision, right? Especially our families or parents and friends, like not, you know, thinking too much about what are they going to think about this, needing to justify. Mm-hmm. And it also helped you touched on it that it was, you know, we're going to try it out. Thinking of these things like an experiment. Of course, some decisions are a little bit more permanent than other decisions, but most decisions are not permanent. Like most things are not final and permanent. And there's always, you know, you can always change your mind again, right? Like keeping that in mind when you're making a decision can really help take some of the pressure off. So when it came to dropping out of school, it wasn't like, okay, it's either we keep going to school or we never go to school again. It was either we keep going or we take a break and see how we're doing, you know, next year. (laughs) See if that's what we like. Yeah, that's a great point for making decisions. Sometimes taking away the importance or the permanence of it just makes it a lot easier because if we make the stakes super high and, you know, can only ever decide this once. And if you decide one way, you can never go back like that. That just makes it bigger and bigger. And the bigger and bigger of a challenge, the the farther d- the discrepancy you can feel like between our capabilities and the decision. Um, so yeah, making it less of a less of a big deal. And oh, okay, just you know, we can we can handle this. And just knowing that no matter what, especially in a relationship that we've got each other, it almost doesn't matter the outcome of the decision. Being able to kind of put things in perspective that way makes making those kind of decisions you know bigger even bigger decisions, easier to to handle. Yeah, that's one of the superpowers of a great relationship is when you know that you have the full commitment in your relationship, you know, you have each other's 100% support and, you know, total love, then everything else is kind of like secondary. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, yeah, if we make a poor decision and things don't work out the way we hoped, well, we have each other still. Yep. Lesson learned. We're smarter now. <laughs> exactly. Go make better decisions next time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that uh, really touches on the the intuition side. One other thing that we like to do is just kind of plan for open space and spontaneity. And that, again, kind of gets you in that space to be able to listen to your intuition or, you know, kind of follow your feelings is when you have that freedom and that space to to bring about the, um, you know, the immaterial, more spiritual side of things where you can uh, yeah, get more in tune with your intuition. Space allows for that. Yeah. And a couple ways we do that is having our morning routine, of course, having that time for meditation, journaling, having that just relaxed time in the morning to tune in with ourselves. 
And then also planning time throughout the week too, where you've just got a couple hours of blank space where you can just follow your hunches and do what feels good. And usually is during those um, kind of blank spaces in our days that we have more clarity on a decision or we get ideas about what to do. Yeah. And we like to do that throughout the week and also just throughout the year as well. Like we actually just got back from Costa Rica, a really awesome time with friends down there in the winter. You know, we're out on the beach, we're surfing, we're, you know, collaborating, having fun, doing a lot of business. And it was by giving ourselves a good amount of space throughout our winter that kind of allowed for that. So um, we love to travel and we've got a few longer term places lined up and in between them we just kind of had a gut feeling to to just leave january open like you know something might happen travel is a little restricted in certain places but if we have the opportunity and it just makes sense i would love to go somewhere warm and sunny uh, for the month of january but we weren't sure what so we just didn't book anything for that month and just had a feeling that something would come up then one of our really good friends, John, called us up and said, hey, I'm thinking about going to Costa Rica. You guys want to join me? Yes. It was crazy because we had actually mentioned Costa Rica very recently. We didn't like really decide on anything or put anything out there, but we just had said like, oh, it'd be cool to go to Costa Rica sometime. And, <laughs> and then John calls us, hey, want to go to Costa Rica in January? Oh, funny enough, we actually left a month open in January for something just like this. Yeah, and then we had a couple other friends join us as well, and it was just a really amazing experience where we all were there and just great things happened. We had an amazing time, also became even more abundant just through the uh, conversations and the business dealings that we've done uh, over there and just everything worked out perfectly because we trusted that hunch that let's leave this time open. And then when the, this, we like to look for, you know, either signs or the, the universe will give you breadcrumbs or trails like, and we've been meaning to go to Costa Rica for a while. And our friend mentioned Costa Rica. Yes, that's a sign. Let's do it. Yeah. And it's almost like the decision makes itself because we actually didn't have to make any sort of decision about going to Costa Rica. Our friend asked us not to both at the same time, we both went, uh, yeah. <laughs> so it didn't take any decision making because of a few of these things we've already talked about. We had clarity on our vision. We know we like to travel. We know we like to be in warm places in the winter. And we know what a yes feels like in our bodies. So in that moment, we can feel the yes that happens inside. And we're looking for these kind of synchronicities and we've planned for some spontaneity by leaving that month open. So it's kind of a combination of a lot of these tools that means that the decision basically made itself. We didn't need to like get back to him or talk it over. We just, we knew already, yep, decisions made. <laughs> then we can take a look at how we actually used a good amount of logic to, uh, to design the month as well. So kind of shifting over more to the logic side, uh, whenever we do travel, we like to do it such that we're spending around the same amount of money as we would if we stayed back in Canada. And so one of the things that we really like to use as a tool is, is spreadsheets and budgeting. So when we were deciding 
where to stay in Costa Rica. We actually made a list of all of our criteria and priorities and made sure to collaborate with the other guys that were going on the trip and use that to help decide where would we stay in Costa Rica. And you did an amazing job. You looked through like hundreds of Airbnbs and uh, based on how, where they were located, you know, were they close to a beach? How nice was the house? How nice were the bedrooms? What was the price? We were able to kind of narrow down our our favorites based on our values and also based on the numerical dollar figure. And from all of that, that gave us really good uh, clarity on what properties we'd like to rent and then how much that would be worth to us as a group to rent that specific house. So we went all spreadsheet decision matrix um, and we found just the perfect house. And again, that happened as a, as a really good combination of trusting our intuition to, to go to Costa Rica and then finding the ideal properties. And then at the end saying, well, this one I, f- I think would feel the best staying at this house because it checks all the boxes. It's a little more expensive than we thought, but um, thinking of the you know, abundance that'll come from just being there itself. And then also just, it really feels like a yes to stay in this amazing villa in the mountains overlooking the ocean it was just the perfect place that came from it starting to use some tools then from the the logical side to help us get yeah it's cool you learned how to make a decision matrix in university in engineering class so there you go you got some things out of that yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) so for those that don't know a decision matrix is where you take a look at different priorities and values for you and then giving them a score let's say you wanted a new job, some different factors might be, you know, how much you would enjoy it, might be the pay, it might be the location, it could be the type of work that you're doing. So you'd give yourself, you know, however many factors, and then you'd say, out of all of them, you know, enjoying what I'm doing is is the most important, and how much it's in alignment with my, uh, my values and my skill set is also important. So you'd say, like, these are a nine for me. And then you say, well, the pay is pretty important as well, but I, I really want to make sure I'm enjoying what I'm doing more. So the pay might be, you know, a seven. And then the location, you know, I've got to drive further. It's not as important if, if all these other things line up. So that's like a four or five. And so then if you've got multiple options, you go through and you give each one a score, multiply by your importance factor. And uh, at the end, it kind of spits you out a number to your score. It doesn't mean that that's the best uh, one with the highest number, the highest score, but it kind of gives you, it kind of puts the intangibles, like how much I, I would like this and how, um, you know, how far away the, uh, the job is to, uh, to numerical value and just helps give some clarity. So that's, that's what these logical tools are usually for, is not necessarily telling you how to make the decision, but just giving you more clarity and comparing uh, different options in as much as you can, apples to apples, taking Mm -hmm. wildly different things and giving them uh, an equal playing ground. And then usually from there, you can uh, then apply those intuition and the feeling to your different options, knowing that you've got kind of the logical approach laid out and very clear options that you can then say, 
you know, based on all the factors, this is what feels right. Yeah, I love that combination of looking at all of the factors, all of your constraints, getting really clear on things by using something like a decision matrix, seeing what that logical method is telling you, and then tuning in and going, okay, now based on that, is that what I want? And how does it feel? Like if maybe I would make this decision, if I did, what does it feel like? And that's what I love to do that. Um, that's something my mom taught me, actually. If I wasn't sure about something, like, for example, going to a friend's house as a simple example, if I wasn't sure if I wanted to go or not, she said, well, make the decision that you're going to go. How does it feel? And you know right away, once you like make a firm decision, often there'll be part of you that either is like, yeah, or ah. So that's another tool you can use, like just deciding something and seeing how you react to that decision. Something else that we find really valuable is taking anything, any situation or any decision or any item and putting our own value to it because really something is only worth what other people are willing to pay. You'll know that every single person has different spending habits because our own values things kind of differently. So in order to be proactive about your your money and your spending and your enjoyment of life, we find it really helpful to have a specific dollar value to what things are worth for you. And then that just helps make the, especially the, the smaller or the purchasing decisions really easy. For instance, I really enjoy walking and being outside and exercising. So if it's the difference of you know, taking a taxi or an Uber for 20 bucks or, uh, you know, an hour of walking. For me, if I put a dollar value to that amount of time, that's $20 an hour. And if you offered me 20 bucks an hour to go walk, I would choose that. So to me, do I take an Uber or do I walk? Well, if I have the time, I will then go and, and walk. Something else, you know, whether it be like cleaning toilets or managing renovations or something like that, I'm more than happy to pay, you know, hundreds of dollars per hour because that's something that I really don't enjoy doing. And I know there's other people and this is their, their full-time gig and business is doing that. So we, we hire people to do that for us and we're happy to spend the money, even though, you know, I, I don't want to spend 20 bucks an hour over here. I'm happy to spend 200 bucks an hour over here to outsource the, Things because I know the value of my time and my enjoyment actually is a lot, uh, a lot higher than that. Yeah. So this is another way you can compare different options, bringing the intangible into the tangible a little bit more. You can say, well, this option might cost more, but I would enjoy it more. And then you can even put a dollar value to how much you'd enjoy it so that you're comparing the costs of two different options. Yeah, and it's helpful even for things. Uh, I know sometimes if we're going to the grocery store, you know, there's certain you know nice to haves or treats that we like to give ourselves. Sometimes depends on the grocery store. Sometimes it's like twice as much somewhere uh, than other places. Like if it's say kombucha, for instance, you know, whenever it's less than like three bucks, it's like, well, that's a great deal on kombucha. Let's get some. We don't always get some because then that would be both too much kombucha, probably a little too much money. <laughs> um, but when it's 
below a certain point, then it's like, oh, now is the time that makes sense to buy kombucha because it's cheaper and it just helps us make an easier decision that if we're going to buy it, you know, a third of the time, might as well do it when it's the, the cheapest out of those. So it both helps us to regulate and also to uh, save more money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we'll often make those decisions beforehand, like even um, if there's an activity that we are thinking about doing, we'll make a decision beforehand. If it, what is it worth to us? If it costs that much or less, then yes, let's do it. Or if it costs more than that, then no, we won't do it. And that way, when we get the information, the decision's already made. It just takes the uh, confusion out of those decisions. Yeah. And then if it is higher than we thought, we're like, okay, cool. We'll find something else great to do less. Or if it's lower than we thought, hey, awesome. We're getting a great deal because it's actually worth more to us than we're going to pay. So that's that's pretty cool. So no matter what happens, you win. And that's that's pretty cool it's because you can't make a wrong decision that way. Yeah. And that's how we like to set our decisions up where we position our decision in a way where we're good with either option, right? Where we, if we go for it, it's going to be great. And if we don't, it's great because we know what it's worth to us. And we know either way, we're happy with the outcome. And that's a key aspect of game theory, which is another approach that we like to use that's great in both strategy games and also, you know, if you apply strategy games to your life, then you can have, you know, you can get wherever you'd like to go in life as well by being strategic and especially using this concept of game theory. And what it is, is just like you mentioned, is having multiple decisions and being okay with all of them because you're kind of setting them up in such a way that no matter what happens, you, you already win. And you do that by creating the framework and by giving yourself those constraints and criteria, like, well, if it's less than 20 bucks an hour to walk, then I'll do that. And then if it's like, oh, you know what, the Uber's actually less than we thought. And you know, what? I would actually have more enjoyment having more time in this other place. So, uh, you know, what? we, we will do an Uber or, you know, having those clear, decisions and frameworks such that no matter what information comes in, no matter what happens in the outside world, whatever decision happens as a result is perfect. And you can do things like conditional decisions as well, where, you know, if this happens, then I'll decide that. Um, But if it doesn't happen, then, uh, then we'll go the other way. You can sometimes either leave it up to chance or you can you know, uh, tie a certain outcome that you want. It doesn't make sense right now, but tie a condition of, well, when it's April, then I'll decide, you know, this thing. Yeah. A good example of that is the apartment building that we bought back in this summer. So do you want to talk about how we made that decision? Yeah. Yeah. So we were actually flying back from Thailand at the time. It was another decision that we made. We could could have stayed over there and kind of been in the quarantine. It was right in the springtime of 2020 when COVID was really starting to hit the world and everyone was locking down. Uh, we decided it would make more sense to come back to Canada by following you know, our guidelines and our framework that we've talked about. We decided we'd like to stop over in Vancouver rather than go right to uh, where our properties are and where we were originally from. And so we did our quarantine there actually in Whistler and just had an amazing time. It was beautiful and uh, we had a lot of fun there. And 
At the same time, we had an apartment building under contract back in Ontario. It's a pretty good deal, but uh, it also gave us an opportunity with COVID happening. Um, you know, the risks did kind of go up, so we did want to get compensated for that. And at the same time, we were also really enjoying being out in British Columbia and thinking, hey, we might just move out there that spring. And to us, that was worth, you know, a good amount of money. So what we did then, game theory wise, is we made two different offers back to the seller. We had the building under contract for I think 860000 And we said, if you want us to still buy it, we'd like $80,000 off the price for no other reason other than COVID happened. And there's uncertainty. Yeah, there's uncertainty. And at the same time, it was worth that for us because we were loving being out in British Columbia and we could see ourselves spending the rest of the year out there. So that had an intangible but could be tangible value of us for us for you know at least 40,000 right there. The other 40,000 was probably the uncertainty. Let's get a 5% extra discount. And the other 40 was just, you know, for us, it'd be worth letting the deal go and having the rest of the year to spend out there rather than going back to Ontario to do the acquisition management of that building. So we gave them the offer and we were okay with either one. We thought they would actually go with uh, letting the deal go because that was a pretty significant discount. It was almost 10% off and we were okay with that. We were actually kind of even leaning towards that option and that kind of helped us build that, that price in. That was where our you know feeling of, you know, we just love to be out in British Columbia. Like let's, let's lower the price, make it more likely they're going to say no. And then if they do say yes, we've gotten such a great price that it's worth going back for us. Yeah. So we bake in uh, that we're fine with both by just pricing it accordingly. And that's again, where game theory and where using your logic can come in is you can arbitrarily price things such that no matter what happens, you're, you're fine with it. You know? We do that with selling houses. Well, if we can get this price, we'll sell. If we can't, no big deal. We're fine with either or. And so with this one, when we bought this apartment building, we gave them the option fully expecting them to say, no, that's, that's too little. And then they said, you know what, we'll do it. We'll take 780 for this 11 unit apartment building. And we were like, wow, that's an amazing deal. I guess we're flying back to Ontario. So it was that that caused us to go fly back, spend the summer out in Ontario where again, we had an awesome time renting cottages up on the lake and traveling and going to Algonquin and doing all these you know, fun things back in Ontario and still ended up taking an RV back out to BC like we wanted to. But the decision to spend the summer in Ontario was kind of shaped by that game theory offer that we made uh, to the seller. And yeah. essentially, we got paid 80000 bucks to do that. Yeah, as a combination of the game theory in terms of giving ourselves the two options, putting forward the two options and you know, being good with either decision based on what happened. And then the other component was the pre-decision. So if they accept the offer, then we'll go back to Ontario. If they don't, then we'll stay in BC and we're happy either way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we priced it according. Like we could have said $10,000 off and then it would have been a definite yes. And then we would have been like, okay, we got 10,000. But to us, it wasn't worth that in terms of the um, the additional risk and the the effort going there. So we, if I, I bet if we asked for a hundred thousand off, they they would have said no. You know, 
we would have stayed in BC and that would have been great, but we also would have known that you know, we, we weren't giving ourselves a fair chance at, at getting that building for a discount. So 80 was like great in that, you know, zone where it was like, I think we're asking for too much, but that's okay. We'll, we'll, we'll put it out there. And, and having those different strategies makes it really helpful for making any decision. Like let's say you're considering leaving your job because you want, you know, either a change in career or really just more money. And you've got you know, some options lined up. You can say, well, Hey, if I can get a $12,000 raise, I'll stay here. And if I can't, well, then it's time to leave. And then that gives you really great uh, clarity and also negotiating power. You know, when you're fine with either outcome, you know, I'm willing to leave, but for an extra thousand bucks a month, you know, I'd like to like to stay here. I've got a great community of, of friends and colleagues. Um, but it's worth more money for me to go do something else. So why don't I just make the decision not my own, set it up such that no matter what happens, it's great and the decision kind of gets made for me. Either I'll get paid more money or I'll leave, which I was considering doing anyways. So let's let's put it out there and be fine with any outcome. And and that also gives you a ton of negotiating powers. Whoever you know, cares the least is usually the one to to get there their outcome. So if you're like, Hey, I could leave or I could stay, it's up to you. Then that uh, both makes decisions easier and you just more likely to get whatever outcome that, that you'd like. And as you're considering making the decision, you can also ask yourself, if I make this decision five years from now, where does this lead to? This is kind of, um, this is kind of, I think a mix of the logic and the feeling because you want to play it out logically. Like if I choose that trajectory in five years, where do I think that's going to lead me? And then you can think about how do I think that's going to make me be feeling in the future? Um, and how does that feel when I think about it? Right. So it's kind of this mix of the logic and, and feeling. Um, yeah, just playing out those scenarios as far as you can see knowing that, of course, it's impossible to know exactly how things are going to play out, but you can get a sense for how are things probably going to look if I make this decision and how do I feel about that? And it is really great to be doing this and having these kind of conversations openly in your relationship as you go and create your life together, having these uh, visions together and conversations around what decisions could we make today that will lead to the life that we want to create together uh, in the next five years. Mm -hmm. As we've been talking about some of these uh, more intuitive feeling-based ways to make decisions and the more logical analytical ways to make decisions, um, I'm kind of seeing that we tend to use the more feeling-based ones for the bigger life decisions, I would say, the, the ones that kind of shape largely the bigger trajectory of our lives. And we tend to use the more logic-based decisions as the smaller decisions that get us there. So it's like we use that feeling to know where we headed to decide the direction we're headed in and what we want our life to look like. And then we can use a lot of the more logical decision tools to say, okay, well, in order to get there, 
here are all the things, all the small decisions that are going to lead us to what we want. Yeah. And so having that kind of clarity around decisions and having the conversations and the processes in your relationship for deciding things together makes for a very harmonious relationship. You don't always want to have one person making all the decisions. You also don't want to always be deciding every single thing together and, you know, leaving it up to each other. It's, it's having that nice balance that works for you in your relationship for making the clear, effective decisions that ultimately you're happy with in the moment because that'll lead to great results in the future. As a couple, of course, communication is so key here when it comes to effectively making decisions together. So especially fully expressing your own desires and needs in the decision-making process, being really clear about what you want and what you feel as you're going through this process, not assuming that the other person knows and not just keeping it to yourself thinking it's not important, really, you know, being very open with each other about what feels good for you, what you really want, what you can really see for your future. And you might find in the relationship that each partner has their own kind of way of making decisions. Oftentimes, one person will be a little more analytical, someone a little more feeling-based. And so it is really important to get all different aspects of uh, the decision and people's values and to yeah have that open conversation and then together collectively build that framework of making decisions. If we're talking about in terms of masculine and feminine, oftentimes a masculine quality is being clear and decisive. And that was one thing that I realized, okay, I wanted to be, be more clear and be more decisive, but how could I do it in such a way that, that uh, your values are um, heard and making sure that we're making the decision that's best for both of us. So I really like the way that, that we do it nowadays. Even you know for, for smaller decisions, something like what would be your, your top three favorite things to do? And uh, for me, then I go and based on if, if you're happy with any one of these three, then for me, playfully as the masculine, I can say, okay, let's, um, let's go do this. Then I still have the kind of the, the direction, the one kind of leading us in that way and being the more masculine partner, while at the same time, making sure I'm honoring you and what you'd like to do as well. And kind of having that fun dynamic we found is helpful because in the past we might have just been, well, what do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? And just like kind of collectively. Flip-flopping. Yeah. And, you know, there really is some power to having the clarity and, and making the decision while also still not being, you know, super attached or it needs to be my way and, you know, my way is right. It's collectively working together and then playfully, okay, let's do this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's key to know both where you fall in the more masculine or feminine side when it comes to how you make decisions. And also, do you tend to make decisions more logically, analytically, or do you tend to make decisions more based on your feelings? And getting clear for both of you how you naturally make decisions. And this is important because there would have been a time when I would have 
gotten a little frustrated that you're making decisions so much based on logic when I'm like, yeah, but wouldn't it feel so good if we did this? And without understanding that, yeah, we have different strengths when it comes to our decision making and how can we combine those strengths and help each other to make better decisions. So not getting frustrated at your partner if they're in your eyes too logical or too intuitive, but instead like honoring their strength and then learning from it and then offering your strength to them as well. And then when you collaborate, you can bring together the intuitive and the logical and make decisions even better as a team. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. When you combine combine those strengths and honor them, yeah, oftentimes you're able to create that that third better future, knowing um, what you like and your values and what I like and my values, and then combining all the different aspects of decision making that we've talked about. You, know, you can playfully choose what makes most sense in this scenario, and then going from that, making the decision you know, collectively together in your own uh, way as a as a couple and yeah experiment try that out knowing that not every decision will be perfect and and in the way that you'd you'd like it to but just playing the game of making good decisions together aligning with your values yeah and it's important too like it's not just about the decision that you make it's also about enjoying the decision making process because making decisions together is a pretty big part of relationships like yeah it when you know you have to make enough decisions in your own life but when you're then sharing your life with another person that means a lot more decisions and more complex decisions cuz now you're not only considering your own wants and needs and values but you're thinking of your partners as well. So if you can find a decision-making process that really works for you both and that you actually enjoy, then I think that's just a great tool in the relationship. Now we love making decisions. It's actually fun for us to make decisions. And it means that we don't get stuck avoiding decisions or get stuck like going back and forth about something for way too long you know, getting stuck in this kind of stagnant energy. We just keep things moving and we're always like ready for a decision, make a decision, move along and enjoy the process. Knowing that it might not work out, usually doesn't work out the way you expect, but oftentimes will work out way better. And then if it doesn't, no big deal. Just make another decision after that. Exactly. On one more thing that we haven't mentioned yet, this is maybe one of our favorite tools for decision-making. This is a phrase that we used to use this phrase all the time, and now we don't say it as much because it's just kind of become how we do things without necessarily needing to say it. But the phrase is decision made to make decision later. So we use this when we've kind of gone through some of these processes already. We've thought about it logically We've weighed, you know, weighed the options, looked at all the factors. We've um, tuned into our intuition, see how it feels, and we're still just not clear. There's not a clear yes or no, or there's not a clear option A, option B. Always in that moment, if there's no clear answer, if there's no clear decision, we decide to decide later. 
we never want to feel like we're forcing a decision. Like we have to decide. And so let's just pick something because for us, what we've noticed, and it's always worked out for us, right? So this is why we just keep doing it this way, that if there's not a clear decision in front of us, it means it's not the time to make a decision. There's probably more information that we're going to get, or who knows, when it's not clear, it's just not time yet. And then something will happen, you'll get another piece of information or you'll find something out or something will happen in your plans and all of a sudden the decision will kind of make itself so that you're never actually struggling to like force a decision. Decisions should ideally happen pretty smoothly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Decisions used to be pretty tough for us, but now they're just the easiest, most enjoyable thing. And and that's perfect because we're living in the the space and the feeling of things just working out and being easy and enjoyable. And then the outcomes of those decisions are just naturally in alignment with that feeling because that's how we approach it. And how we approach anything is you know, pretty much how we approach everything. So when our decisions are easy to make and enjoyable and we're having fun and we're doing it in a, a really strategic and aligned way, then the outcomes of that usually are all the above as well. And everything is always working out for us. Yeah. Yeah, we definitely covered a lot of different tools on the intuition side and on the logic side. And our processes for making decisions might not be what will work for you. So we just encourage you to think about how you've made decisions in the past, what's been effective for you, how do you feel best making decisions, and talk about that with your partner too. How do they make decisions best? Just get really clear about this and try out different tools for making decisions so that you can get to a place where it's a joy to make decisions and you can just keep creating your amazing future one decision at a time. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating and a review and share it with the people that you care about because we can all use a little more love in our lives. Until next time.